childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real-life friends and podcasting virtuosos, Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents if you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I parent when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in what I think we've decided officially will be called the pod cabin. Uh, producer Tony has a cold, so he's at home, but I'm sitting here with my guest, someone that I met in passing many years ago when I was a guest on Can I Pet Your Dog? And, uh, someone that I've known of for a while and I read her book and it is amazing. It is Teresa Thorne. Hello and welcome. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me. Teresa Thorne is the wife of Jesse Thorne. You, uh, founded and run Max Fun with Jesse. Uh, you co-host One Bad Mother podcast, which I was listening to earlier and relating to so intensely. Uh, and you wrote, you've written two books, but mm-hmm. your first kid's book just came out and it's called It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity. And you have three kids. Yes. Yes. How's that? It's totally <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, just barely getting my footing right now, I think. Um, uh, my kids are eight, five, and two, um, and they're all in school, and they all go to different schools, <laughs> um, and they're, they all have a lot of different needs. So mm-hmm. it's been a crazy ride since starting having kids. Um, but- did, did you always know that you wanted to have three? Uh, I knew that I wanted two or three. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after I had my second, I just, it just became, there was a time where things were too hard, but then it just became really clear to me. Like it was all I could think about until I had my third. And then what's interesting is I kind of was worried that once I had my third, I would just be one of those people who kind of always wanted to get pregnant again Mm -hmm. and like have babies again. But no, I was done. I was like, that was right. That was what, that was how many I wanted. Well, there you go. And was Jesse on board with all of it too? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's funny. Cause like every time I was ready to have a kid, I would like tell him and he would be like, wow whoa pretty much like Mm -hmm. whoa uh okay and then like two days later he'd be like yeah okay he'd be like ready he just like needed to like wrap his head around it right he just needed to get there yeah um did you enjoy being pregnant no yes me neither yeah no 
But when I, after I had Elliot, that's my first, as, as he was exiting my body, I <laughs> thought, I'm never doing this again. Uh-huh. And then I was surprised that a few weeks later, I already started thinking, okay, if I'm lucky enough for there to be a next time, I'm going to change this, uh-huh. this, and this about it. Yeah. Um, and then with Owen, my, that's my second, I really had a great birth experience, oh. one that I didn't have. The f- I, I didn't enjoy being pregnant either time, but uh-huh. the actual birth experience uh-huh. was, it was not good with Elliot and it was good with Owen. Okay. And I thought like, oh man, I'm, I'm finally like figuring out how to do this when I'm done. Yeah. I, maybe for a second I thought, you know, do I want to have a third? Um, I don't even, th- I don't even know if it would be possible, but then I had a dream that I found out I was pregnant with a third. Oh. And in the dream, I felt very uh not good about it i I felt panicky about it and i felt like oh no but i just had owen and he like he won't even get his moment and um i don't know so yeah so i think for me too is good i actually (laughs) you just reminded me that i had a dream (laughs) like probably six months ago so my youngest is two and a half and i had this dream like six months ago where i finally came to terms with the fact that no three would be too many three is too many we should not have three kids and like i was really like this is a tough decision to come to but like i really know that it's the right thing and like and this was at a time where like things in our lives were really crazy like my oldest was having a lot of problems in school and we were like switching schools and just like things were really hard and Mm -hmm. um some People who already know Jesse know he's a chronic migraine sufferer and sometimes he just out for the count and just we're in crisis mode a lot. And so this was one of those times where that happened. And I I told Jesse the next day and I was kind of laughing as I told him, I'm like, so I had this this realization in my dream. Isn't that isn't that nice? (laughs) And he was like. He, he like couldn't handle it. He was it was like too upsetting to him. Like it was like very (laughs) disturbing to him. And I was like, oh, well was not it was not a helpful time for that dream (laughs) to happen right right well what do you make of it though just the I mean I just think it just is a lot like I mean I obviously can't imagine living without my third child like he's amazing you Mm. know so I'm not like I think the partly why I'm able to like see the humor in that dream is that like I don't actually Mm -hmm. wish that we didn't have him right it's just that there's so much about our lives right now that feels unmanageable Mm -hmm. that like if I were to look at our lives right now like objectively like as a bystander I would be like that doesn't seem sustainable (laughs) like that doesn't seem like a good way to like plan to do your life like that seems like way too much so remind wait so where did you grow grow up northern california san francisco bay area same as jesse yes right? we met in high school wow yeah i think i knew that i was trying to remember because when i had him on he told me how you guys met but i want to hear it from you oh yeah so we went to high school together we both went to san francisco school of the arts and we were both in the theater department um and yeah he was really cute and i had a crush on him and our senior year we started dating and we broke up a little bit in college because we were in, in different colleges. Um, Where'd you go? I went to Sarah Lawrence in oh, New York yeah. uh, and he went to UC Santa Cruz. And then we just kind of were like, we just liked each other. We just like wanted to be together. So we stayed together and then we moved in together after college. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, we've just been together since we were 17 pretty much. Have you had other boyfriends? No. Wow. Yeah. I'm always, and I, and I say this often, I'm always very impressed with people who meet their significant other 
in high school uh-huh. and stay with them. Yeah. Because I feel like I barely became myself like a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's odd because Jesse and I were very different in a lot of ways and we've both changed a lot. But I think, um, I think partially we both changed kind of together, mm-hmm. which, which worked for us. And then the fact that we didn't go to college together, I think made it okay. Cause right. we kind of, we had our own lives and we had our own friends and we, there was like chunks of college where we weren't like talking every day or like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was able to like be my own person having my own life. Um, and I, think that's the only way it would have worked because i think if we had just been literally you know holding hands for right 20 years it's just like it's a little much it's mm-hmm. a lot on like young people and you said that you you were your own people having your own lives and do you feel like you are that now because i mean you guys you're both you both work and i granted you work together mm-hmm. but i get the sense that you you guys are pretty independent we're pretty independent yeah but i mean we I don't know. We just like have our rhythm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think all couples kind of like find the way that things work for them. And, um, I think we just like, he's just like my person. So we just do, we, yeah, there's, it's kind of like a low drama relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe cause we've been together so long or we've just like figured out something. Not like we like never have conflicts. Like that stuff happens a lot, but we kind of, just are in our groove mm-hmm. now. So. And you also said that you feel like you've changed. You guys have kind of changed, you know, together. How have you changed? Like, who were you then? Oh, um, let's see. I feel like uh, my, for me, not speaking for him, but for me, when I was in high school, when Jesse and I first got together and like the early years of college, Um, I think I was, um, kind of, I've always been like, I've always been like a little anxious. Like I always run on the anxious side, Mm -hmm. but I was very, I've, I've like always been kind of a rule follower and I was cautious and careful and also like pretty ambitious, not in the sense that I needed to be the best ever, but like, um, I really wanted to, like have a career that was really secure. Like mm-hmm. my parents had had kids pretty young and we moved around a lot and things were a little crazy like all the time. And so for me, like my goal was like, just do whatever is like the safe thing, like at all times. Um, and, and also just like, you know, I was, I think how a lot of young people are, I really wanted to meet the expectations of others yeah. in a lot of ways all the time. Um, whereas I feel like now, um, and especially being a parent, I'm a lot more aware that like I'm responsible for making my life the way I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that this is like unique to anyone. I think it's like just a process of growing up, but Mm -hmm. like, I just feel that maturity now where, I'm like, oh, I don't have to like do a certain thing because that's what's expected or that's what most people do or that's what my friend did. Like, I should just decide what I want mm-hmm. and then do that. When do you feel like that? When did that transit? Did that change happen for you? I think it's been gradual. Like, I think it's, I think I'm always kind of relearning it mm-hmm. in new ways and it's like expanding and becoming like more integrated into who I am. I think the first, time that it really happened was 
when I decided not to become a lawyer because I had gone to law school again, wanting the security, Mm -hmm. wanting like to know that I would just have a profession that I could support a family with and like things would be okay. Um, and it really ended up not being the right, um, like personality fit for Mm -hmm. me. I really don't enjoy, um, a lot of things (laughs) that are required for being a lawyer. Um, there are things about it that I was pretty good at, but that doesn't mean it was like, feeding me or like making me feel good on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. It was like pretty draining energy wise. Was that a surprise when you realized it wasn't for you? No, I think I kind of knew all Mm -hmm. along and I was like, that's okay. I'm just going to do it. (laughs) Like I was really like, um, I was really good at doing things that I didn't want to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I can do this. Like it sucks, but like I can do stuff that sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm going to do a great job in life. It's tough to unlearn that and figure out where, where on the spectrum you should end up because it's like part of being a kid is doing things you don't like to do. Right. You know, like I think that if it it had been up to me, I wouldn't have gone to school always. I right. wouldn't have. I certainly wouldn't have done PE. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have done. There's so many things. You know, I didn't want to clean up all the things. Like your whole life when you're a kid is doing things that you don't really want to do. So it's tough to figure out as you get older. Well, wh- what voices do I pay attention to? Yeah. Well, I think that's a really like that's such a good point. And I think a lot of like what we're trying to do now with our kids is actually listen more to what they want to do mm-hmm. and not in the sense that like, oh, they should be able to do whatever they want. Like there are rules and there are there is like a structure to our world, but also just to allow kids to be a little more self-directed because that actually right. makes a lot of things happen quick. Like the learning happens quicker. They're able to like pursue their actual interests more. I mean, it's, different it's a different mindset but I sort of think like our I sort of think I would be in a different would have been in a different place sooner you know if we didn't have if we didn't have that expectation of our kids like well you just have to do a lot of things that suck right for a long time until you know like right I think the privilege of having choice yeah I think and because I think like with with law school it was like there came a point where I realized there's nothing fun after this non-fun thing that right. I'm doing. Like, right. the, like fun, you're... the non-fun, the more non-fun things I do and get good at doing just lead to more things yeah. I don't like doing. Right. The prize is more of this. The prize is, exactly. The prize is more of this. So like that was the first. And then just figuring out how to manage that, which was a challenge because even though everybody says like, oh, if you go to law school, you can do anything. It's not totally true. <laughs> so trying to figure out how to not have that you know, three and a half years of my life be a total waste. What law school did you go to and what kind of law did you think you wanted to practice? I went to Loyola Law School in downtown LA. Um, we actually moved here when I started oh, okay. law school and we thought, well, we'll see what this does for Jesse's show and we'll, you know, just try living in LA. Um, I wanted to be a public interest lawyer. I had mm-hmm. worked as a as a paralegal at a, an immigration firm a, doing deportation defense for two years, and I loved it. I really wanted to do public interest law. But again, that was another way that it didn't really fit my life because I wanted to be the breadwinner, and I also wanted to have kids and a family. And, you know, at the time, Jesse was making like $12,000 a year or something. Mm-hmm. I wanted to only do public interest law. I didn't it's, want to do anything corporate. And I, <laughs> and I was getting, I was like looking at my life and I'm thinking, we're not going to have enough money. I'm going to have to work all the time. And I want really what I want to do is have kids. Like that's mm-hmm. really what I want to do. Um, so 
I had to reassess my planning. So then what happened when you reassessed? Well, I it just worked out that around the time I was trying to figure out what to do, Jesse's uh, work on his show, which at the time was The Sound of Young America, was beginning to grow and expand. And he had started um, sort of like crowdfunding the mm-hmm. show. Now, was that with Jordan? It was. He was doing Jordan Jesse Go as okay. well, but it all started with The Sound of Young America, which is now Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Um, and then he started adding shows to join up with because the fundraising started working pretty well. And so he started adding shows to help them fundraise. And that's when Maximum Fun was born. And then he just like needed help. Like mm-hmm. he, it was just him. So, and were we, you guys married at this point? We were married. Mm-hmm. We got married in between my second and third year of law school. Got it. Um, so we were married and, uh, I just was like, he was at home and he was working and he needed help. And like, I could help him sell advertising and make more money in like a couple weeks than I could working like the whole month mm-hmm. doing, you know, a, a first year legal job. Right. You know, and did you already have one? At that, oh no, no, you were still in school. I had a couple. I was had things I was doing, and right. I had passed the bar, so I could have. Yeah, but I was just. It was. I was. I was realizing how it was making me feel, mm-hmm. and I was coming to terms with like I don't have to feel this way every day. Right. Um. So that was really great, and then I think the other thing has just been becoming a parent. Like that's been major. Like as far as just realizing, like, oh, I'm responsible for making my kids lives what I want them to be. So therefore, uh, how about me? Like I can Mm -hmm. also do that for myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So you, you were helping him selling advertising and you realized that you could, you could make more in a couple of weeks than a month of some other job. Mm -hmm. Um, and then did that just kind of snowball and and it turned into max fun? Yeah. So max fun, it was already called max fun. Um, it just started growing pretty quickly around that time. And so there was, there were lots of things I was able to help him with. So I worked on the max fun con weekend, Mm -hmm. which we do every year. Um, I did a lot of that. So I was doing like events and I started like doing more, you know, donor outreach and managing like the pledge drives um, and volunteers and doing some more of like the online publicity. So I was just doing like whatever mm-hmm. needed to be done. Um, and yeah, and it was in our house and I was right there. And then we had our first kid and I for some reason thought I could just keep working and take care of the kid at home and that Jesse and I would yes. just like, yes, I, I had the same I was like, misconception. We'll take turns. It'd be great. <laughs> We're both working from home. Like yeah. how hard could it be? Yeah, like totally. the baby will sleep and we can handle a puppy. This can't be yeah. that. This is going to be easier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget like our wonderful um, producer, former producer, Julia Smith, who was working for us at, t- at the time sitting me down at one point like when I was really pregnant and being Mm -hmm. like are you and Jesse planning to have any like caregiver in the home for the baby at all (laughs) and I was like no no and she's like okay (laughs) and I was just like yeah I, I mean I think it'll be fine and it really it took me six months after Gracie was born to hire a part-time babysitter Mm -hmm. because it took me that long to come out of the fog enough to realize that what was going on was not a functional way to live. Like I'd be up at night working because I couldn't work during the day because I was taking care of the baby. I mean, it was 
totally crazy. Did you grow up with a nanny or babysitter or anything? No, no. See, that's okay. Yeah. Same. I mean, my mom occasional babysitter, so my mom could yeah. like do to get pay bills and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but no regular help. Whereas yeah. my parents both had nannies, mm. and I think they like without even intentionally without intending to send this message to me, I got the message. And again, I want to like, it's this is almost like a triggering thing to say, but I think I believe that like, you love your kid, you take care of them yourself. Mm. Like I had this Mm -hmm. idea that, you know, I don't, I work from home. Mm -hmm. I don't need that. And I want to be there with my kid the whole time. I want to do the stuff. Yeah. So like, yeah. I don't know what I thought. I'll just hold. I'll just yeah. hold him while I send yeah. emails and while yeah. I do. You know, it, which like you can do sometimes. It, it's really hard with my <laughs> se- exhausting. The, so with my second, I really can just hold him and do stuff uh-huh. or put him in like a little bouncy seat. Uh-huh. With Elliot, you he would not allow mm, you. And yeah. I, I know it's kind of like a first second child thing. Uh-huh. Like you, I really had to be yeah. bouncing him or yeah. singing to him or just totally engaged with him or else he would yeah. buzz. Yeah. Um. I mean, the littlest things, the, the littlest, like the slap in the face of the logistics of like, when do I, when and how do I shower? Yeah. It was, oh, it and, was and so the, hard. And the, and the sadness of like finding yourself being like, well, I don't need, like, obviously shower is the first thing to go. Like, yeah. that, I'll be fine. I don't need right, a shower. And right. then it's like a few days later and you're like, why do I feel so depressed? Yeah, <laughs> like, it really was. It was, yeah. And so then I slowly started having someone come over twice a week for a few hours mm-hmm. and it was such a huge like a tiny actually I say huge but it was like a like a small crack of sunshine uh-huh. coming in like oh I can feel like myself again and then to the point where now we have a nanny and it's yeah. like of, of course that's what we needed yeah it's what you needed yeah. yeah yeah we just um we just recently um hired someone part-time again we had been like nanny free for a while because everybody's in school, school but they're only there they don't do aftercare so mm-hmm. they're only there for a certain time and they, like i said they all go to different schools and the driving just the driving was making me feel like i couldn't live another day yeah. like i was just like i don't did i'm you, not a you person spe- feel like you spent your whole day yeah i'm not a person yeah, yeah. and so we're, we've got some help with that but looking back on when gracie was a baby and i was doing that and i'm remembering like she would be she'd finally be asleep and she'd be in like the moby wrap mm-hmm. and i'd be just rocking back and forth at my laptop at the kitchen counter trying to get work done without stopping moving right. with her just hoping she'd like stay asleep for a little longer and when we finally found that person, she started coming like, I think six hours a day, three days a week. I think looking back, I definitely had postpartum anxiety that was not treated at Mm -hmm. that time because I don't remember that being a relief. I just remember being like, well, it's a good thing I'm still like in the house because I don't think I'd be able to leave. I felt that way too. Yeah. Like I was just like, I don't, I, I was, I needed some help, but like I was always there and I was aware and I was like popping in and stuff and bless her her heart she's she was with us then for like seven years after that mm-hmm. just part-time but like as because we were having more kids and stuff and she was so patient with me she was like just tell me what you need you know like don't worry about it like <laughs> she was like super chill about it but looking back I was like I I remember thinking like I could never like leave the house mm-hmm. like I couldn't like be physically away from the, my baby it I, would make me ill the first like, time I did leave the house I remember feeling like I feel like I'm being really irresponsible yeah for sure. I Even just though I've hired yeah. someone to take care of him. Yeah. I, um, 
Oh, what was the other thing I was going to say about that? Well, I've lost it because I have children. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. No, I know what I was going to say. I was listening to your most recent episode mm-hmm. of One Bad Mother, and I was relating to the part where you were saying that you could give all sorts of advice about how to do a specific thing, or mm-hmm. you could trust that like they'll, and I don't, I don't know if you were talking about a caregiver or Jesse, but oh, yeah, like yeah. That they'll just figure out how to do it and yeah. it'll be fine, but some things will be messed up. And yeah. I was relating so strongly to that because today, so Elliot just started preschool and I had to leave really early to go do a show. So, um, the nanny, and I didn't, I've been making lunch for him every day. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she gives him lunch all the time, yeah, just not at school. She would know she how knows to how. do it. Yeah. But I've been like really yeah. controlling this about this do dumb it. lunch yeah. box. Yeah. So <laughs> I needed to let her make him lunch today. Yeah. And I, and I, in general, I'm actually pretty hands off with yeah. her. Like I know a lot of parents who are, who are very controlling, but like I, I really trust her. Yeah. But. I had to send a fucking text to explain yeah. what kind of items I've been putting in his lunch. Yeah. It's so dumb. She totally knows. She's she's, I know. she's better at making lunch than I, I am, honestly. I know. But there, I know. I but just there's, have to do it. No, but there's this <laughs> part of you that's like, it's like, it's a way that you're caring from your, yeah. for your child from far away. Right. It's like, if I'm not there, it just feels like I'm caring for them. Like, yeah. I, and I'm the same about, cause I make my kids lunches now and, like sometimes when my mom comes to visit, like to help or whatever, like she'll come if Jesse or I are going out of town um, sometimes. And sometimes she'll be there on a weekday and she'll be like, now let me help you make the lunches. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it because that's exhausting. <laughs> yes. And I can just do it my way really quick and then mm-hmm. it's done. Right. And it's funny that I feel that those are the two choices. Like I feel like either I can tell her how mm-hmm. to do it right. or I can do it. But my mom, who knows my kids really well, yeah. knows what they eat, takes care of them, them when I'm not here. Yeah. Like, and raised me and made all my lunches. Right. Like, for some reason, I can't let her just figure out yeah. what to put in there. I don't know why. I know. I don't know what, what like, what's going to happen. He's going to open it and there's not melon in that one particular compartment of the yeah. lunchbox and he's going to have a meltdown. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> if we think it through, we realize how absurd it is. It's like, for if, us. and if I'm in a pinch, obviously, like, if I'm, really incapacitated of course but why does it take being totally incapacitated to just allow other people to do it i don't i I don't know don't know either i don't know i I don't enjoy it (laughs) right i know it's uh yeah yeah there's lots of stuff like that like in the middle of the show I was on Nikki Glaser's uh, Sirius XM show uh-huh. this morning. And so we had this guy who was coming to um, – he's cleaning out our attics and like redoing the insulation, just fun, sexy homeowner stuff. Yeah. And so Daniel was watching the kids until the nanny got here. And um, he texted me saying I'll be there you know, at this time. Yeah. And I texted him and I'm like, could you text uh, my husband? And then I put the number there. And then – then so this is, I've had a bunch of sh- and then I was doing another show and I got a text from him saying hey no one's answering oh, and it's like in the middle of recording I'm like yeah. trying to handle it and I'm yeah. thinking or I could just let everyone else who's at the yeah. house deal why don't with they it. find each other yeah like, let them but I didn't <laughs> yeah I know because we're like, like the point people we're the managers yes yeah that's a real usually usually the women are yeah, I think we call on my show. We call that being the president of everything. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about recently on my show, like the fact that we kind of wish we could just get hurt 
so that spontaneously right. no one would be able to like we expect be, anything exactly because like when even when we go away if you plan to take a break whether it's for work or just say you just were like i deserve a weekend to myself um we always would plan yeah coverage for everything totally. in advance and it's and then when you're gone you're kind of like well is this happening the way yeah, I you set it up in. to i mean it's just exhausting it never ends and the thing is cuz like i handle all the pediatrician appointments mm-hmm. and i handle the vet appointments for the yep. dog and just all you know making yep. sure we have diapers making sure just everything yeah. but if i were to ask my husband to do it he would do it right i just don't but if you ask him you're still in charge of it right Right. You, and I don't yeah. know the way around that. There's yeah. articles about I mean, it's like it's, you guys use yeah. the term emotional labor yeah, or mental load yeah, or yeah. all of it. Yeah. It's all that it stuff. It used to bother me more. It doesn't. I feel like we're speaking of you mentioned yeah. rhythm or like I feel yeah. like we're in a good rhythm now. So yeah. it's fine. But definitely when we first had Elliot, that was that was probably like the biggest stress on our marriage. Yep. And I and I remember I was in a mommy and me group and it seemed like it was every single person in there was experiencing experiencing that new like oh how do we how do we because you want it to be equitable yeah and it's easy to feel resentful it is i i remember one book that actually helped me at that time that's called and baby makes three um and it actually really helped because it was like it helped me just think about what it might feel like from jesse's perspective and then i was like oh like i can see how this is not Nobody's doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. but everybody feels upset. Yeah. Like everybody feels hurt and resentful and tired and yeah. and tired and overworked and that right. too much is being asked of them. But yeah, I'm with you. Like we're kind of in our like I, there's a lot of like the president of everything stuff that I'm happy to do because I feel like I can do it. And right. if there's something that's really irritating me, I'll just and my therapist has been so great for this is like. Just tell him this thing, this whole thing is something I really want your help with. And can you be totally in charge of it? Mm. Then you're still, you still have to be in charge of delegating that thing. But it's like the thing of like, like for us, it's like when we go away, Jesse's in charge of all the cooking, like all the food, all the cooking. And I don't have to say like, are you going to, do you know about, do we have, I'm just like, I don't have to think about food. Right. Who, um... Who books your travel for you guys? Um, Of the two of you, who makes those decisions? When we're going together? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. We kind of team up, I think, because he... He, I don't know. Like, I think I, I think I am usually like the maintainer of the calendar. Mm-hmm. So I'm more like, we need to go at this around this time on this day. Right. And then he's more the like, I'm going to find the best flight and like, right. That person. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I tend to do that for us. And it may be because I have more of a stake in it and I'm more controlling and I mm-hmm. care more about, I was going to say, well, I have had like a, I think a negative effect on my husband in this way <laughs> because I'm like particular about what hotel room and all that oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Whereas he, when we first got together, he was more like whatever, uh-huh. but he's like, you've rubbed off on me and oh. now I care, but oh. I know that we always end up with a good room. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's so funny. And I feel like I'm more particular about, you know, choosing my seats on the plane and stuff. But the last time, the only time we've ever flown with Elliot, I didn't, for some reason, I wasn't able to get the extra legroom seats. Yeah. And it was like a six hour flight. Yeah. And he was the one who was so like going nuts over these. Like there was just, it was so cramped in yeah. there. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's important because Jesse's big too. He's really tall. And mm-hmm. so like flights are really hard for him. He's very particular about that right. kind of thing. I think like we both For a while, he was in charge of like finding the Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And then we realized that 
there's no real good skills in finding an Airbnb. Right. Like almost just anyone luck. can just, yeah, for better or for worse, find the Airbnb that you're going to try. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what's a great thing for someone who's particular and likes quality? Joybird. Joybird makes amazing custom furniture. It's all super stylish. Um, a lot of mid-century modern stuff, but I don't want to make you think it's only mid-century modern because there's all different styles. It's amazing. With Joybird, you get one-of-a-kind furniture crafted to your unique taste. Turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options, from rich buttery leather to the plushest velvet you've ever felt. Find the fabric and texture that's right for you. Uh, Joybird offers a range of kid and pet-friendly upholstery options so that your creations can stand the test of time. In fact, we are... Uh, slowly moving into this house that we've been in for almost a year now, and which does not mean it's like sparse by any means. There's stuff everywhere, but we're slowly making it look how we want it to look. And just the other day, Daniel was like, I think we need to get a couple chairs for the living room. And what's in parentheses is as and throw out some of your stuff that we don't like anymore, which is fine. <laughs> I have to admit, it's old. We don't love it. Um, but he wants to get a couple chairs, I think some like nice swivel chairs for that room from Joybird. He specifically said Joybird because they make such great stuff. Each Joybird piece is made by hand with care and precision using high quality hard work and responsibly sourced materials to fit your exact specifications. See how Joybird can help you design your dream space. Make furniture your own at joybird.com slash Rosen 25. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash Rosen 25. Go to joybird.com. That's J-O-Y-B-I-R-D.com slash Rosen 25 and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code ROSEN25. And I also want to tell you guys about BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is great. It's uh, an online therapy option that is super, super... I love that this exists. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping trauma, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. Um, it's confidential. It's convenient. Get help at your own pace. You can schedule a secure video or phone session plus chat and text with your therapist. Also, and this is key, if you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time, no additional charge. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And Allison Rosen is your new best friend listeners. Get 10% off your first month with the discount code best friend. And that's just all one word, best friend. Why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash best friend. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Betterhelp.com slash best friend. Um, okay, Teresa, let's talk about your book. It's a it's a beautifully illustrated children's book called It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity. And I can't remember if I actually said on the show or just to you before we started that reading the book, um, it brought tears to my eyes a number of times. I th Because I think whether you're dealing with gender issues like the ones mentioned in the book, and we'll get into what the book is about, or just someone who just has spent a lot of time feeling like an outcast, just the, the, the love and inclusiveness of the book, it uh, really resonates. But can you talk about the book and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Um, Jesse and I have a transgender daughter um, and she 
came out to us and started socially transitioning about three years ago. Um, and around that time, we actually used picture books a lot in our family to sort of help everyone process what, what we were going through and sort of figure out, um, how everybody was feeling. Um, the book I Am Jazz, which is about Jazz Jennings, who's like a famous um, transgender activist. She was she had a show, right? She had a show. She's had a couple shows. Um, and she's like the youngest uh, person to socially transition like publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and socially means as opposed to surge, hormonally yes, or surgically, physically. Right. Yeah. So like with kids, with young kids, we don't do hormones or hormone blockers. We don't do surgery. Um, it's just that, you know, socially transition, it, it generally means we use the pronouns mm-hmm. that the child prefers. Um, sometimes kids want to pick a different name that feels better to them. Sometimes they don't. Um, and just allowing the child to, um, dress Present and express, how they want, right? yeah, and express themselves the way that mm-hmm. feels right to them. Um, so like in our daughter's case, she did want to change her name and we started using she and her pronouns and she, um, she had a few dresses in her closet, but we started just letting her gradually accumulate a totally different wardrobe than the one she had before. And then at a certain point she was just like, I don't want any boy clothes in my Mm. closet at all. I don't even want to see them. And, And you know, how, how far, like how. What was the time period between when that happened and when she came out to you? Oh, that was after. So that was later. So okay. like, um, let's see. She around the time that she was like four, she would say, you know, she would ask for like barrettes or a dress or pink jammies, stuff like that, which we were all good with. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we both went to arts high school and we're both. I mean, you we live just, in L.A. Yeah, yeah, we know. We, yeah, we're like completely relaxed about it. Um, but we didn't actually it didn't occur to us that our child would be transgender because we have that cisgender bias, both being cisgender people ourselves. Um, And we just, I think we just assumed we would know somehow if we had a trans child, I guess. And remind me what the definition of cisgender is. And that's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. Yeah, there's a glossary in the back, a short glossary. Um, so cisgender just means, um, you, your gender identity aligns with your sex assigned at birth. So if when you were born, doctors saw your Mm -hmm. body and your parts and said, this is a female body and you feel like like a female, then you're cisgender. Got it. Um, and so, uh, anyway, Gracie was, um, you know, going by a boy's name and we assumed she was a boy. Um, but she was experimenting with different ways that she wanted to look. Um, and then for a long time, she would say, I want people to think I'm a girl. Mm, And what, what did you make of that at the time? Well, actually we thought, cause there was a little boy in her pre-K class that sort of was picking on her and like Mm. bugging her. And she would say that. She wanted to look like a girl so that he wouldn't bother her. And we sort of thought it was like a bullying situation because she's like a little bit, she's like a little, a little nerdy, a little bit of like an indoor kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just thought, oh, this kid is like picking on her. Um, she feels like if she was a girl, she'd get to opt out of right. this kind of behavior. Um, again, we just like, weren't we weren't like against the idea of having a trans kid we just didn't think that that was what was going on yeah so it took a while to figure it out i think that makes i think that's yeah common. yeah um and, and also i think that it's common too to think oh it's a phase or oh they're sure you know because like they're just learning they're getting what to the train is, in. yeah they're learning what they're what who has what parts and all of that totally totally i think and then i think as 
you know, we started seeing some behavior things happening and she just started asking about her body parts and gender a lot more Mm -hmm. to where I just thought, I want to learn more about this. And that's when I kind of like checked out a couple books on the topic and just started learning more. And that was when I started to learn that actually what we know now is that kids actually are really perceptive about gender and gender norms and expectations from a very young age, Mm -hmm. like from two, many kids can say how they feel that they are. Um, And that whatever a kid is expressing is probably pretty true to how they really feel. Mm. Um, That doesn't mean that it won't change or that there aren't gender fluid people or people who could feel one way for a while and feel a different way later. Right. But that if a kid is really saying, I wish I was a girl or I wish people thought I was a girl or I want to look like a girl or all of these things or, you know, in her case, I think I am a girl. Um, once she knew that like there are girls that have her type of body, then she was like, oh, yeah, then that's what I am. And when you say have her type of body, meaning the male organs, is well, that incorrect to say? Um, I don't think it's incorrect okay. to say. Um, is I, that what you mean though? Like, yeah, by like she learned that. Yeah, basically, like, is it okay if I like say body parts? Yeah, on your of show? course. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just yeah, people okay. are like squeamish about. It. Yeah. So, like, a lot of us grew up hearing not all of us but a lot of us grew up hearing girls have vaginas yes. boys have penises and like when you were little you would say like i have this or you, they point to your parents you have that and they mm-hmm. say yes because i'm a boy i have right. a penis or yes you're a girl because you have a vagina um and what we now know is that those body parts are sometimes an indicator right. of gender identity but not always mm-hmm. and so what i've been saying to my kids and what we what the research what the re- <laughs> what research. the research shows is that you know maybe most but not all girls have vaginas most but not all right. boys have penises right and there are also intersex people who it's not necessarily determinable by looking at mm-hmm. somebody's body what their gender is and so there's there's a spectrum of bodies and there's a spectrum of gender identities and we don't always align exactly with the body. Right. Um, So, so once Grace learned that you could be a girl, but have a penis. Yeah. Then she was like, Oh, that's then I'm just a girl. Yeah. Yeah. So how was that for you guys? Um, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to speak for Jesse. I think I felt it coming. And so, I think I was like more, I think it was like a little quicker for me to adjust to Mm -hmm. it. I think he, like, I remember going and saying to him, you know, she's saying that she's a girl. Like, I mean, I wasn't even using the she pronoun at the time. I was saying like, he's He's, saying he's a girl. And he was kind of like, okay, like, here's just like something else to deal with. Because like, again, (laughs) it's hard to like, you from the time this baby is not even born yet you're being told what are you having that you're having a particular gender and it's very confusing to wrap your head around that that's just not right Mm -hmm. um and so i think for me there was like a time where like once i once i understood that the by and large you know american academy of pediatrics and every good parenting book that i read was like oh by all means if your child is saying this 
go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't change the way the world works, but you can you and you can't change their identity. You can't change how right. they feel no matter what you say or do. You're not going to make them more or less transgender. That's so interesting. Um, the only thing you can do is show them that you love them and that you support them no matter what. That's so like, and this is like very, very eye open, eye opening uh, to to there's too much of a value judgment in that. It's very interesting for me to hear you say that if they're saying it, it is real to them yeah. because I think, and it, and it makes you know perfect sense yeah. because I think that there is this, probably this thing in parents where you go like, Oh, you're just saying that because you're yeah. just saying that because yeah, for sure. And I think right. a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, you know, I got asked a question about this book. Well, what about parents who feel that if their child reads it, their child is going to become mm, transgender? Yeah. Because that's how it works. First of all, I mean, first of all, you, that doesn't, that's not the way it works. Right. We can't affect, like, we can't affect it. Um, but also, I mean, we can affect how they feel about their mm-hmm. gender identity, but we can't affect their gender identity. But also, the book really is for everyone. It's for all kids. It's not for trans kids. It's for all kids. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding gender identity. And what I loved about going through this process with Gracie is that as a family, we've been able to talk about and like explore gender in this way that has been really interesting and fun and like kind of just a really nice journey for everybody. Like Gracie has a younger brother who's five and he loves talking about gender. He loves it. He's like, I'm a boy. He's like so proud of his identity. And he loves learning about like non-binary people. And he had a non-binary science teacher at camp. And like, he thought that was really interesting. And we have books about being non-binary. And it's just, it's, it's something about being human that I think for a long time in a lot of places has been just like totally denied. And when we, I mean, when we start thinking about it, I mean, it's really cool. Like, I feel like I have gotten to know myself better and I feel, I feel more empowered to express myself the way that feels authentic to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm grateful for that part of this. I mean, it sure has not been easy, um, but it's, it's been uh, like also really cool Mm -hmm. to go through. Um, I need to apologize because I feel like I spoke over you a little while ago. No, no. Um, So you saw it coming and Mm -hmm. what were the, and then went out and got the books, but what were the things that made you, made you realize like, okay. And, and I feel like you might've said it. So I'm asking you to, I might be asking you to repeat yourself. I'm sorry, but like, what were the things that made you go, Oh, this is, this is happening. This is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I, thanks to the community around one bad mother, my podcast, I already, had the language to tell my kids that not all girls have vaginas and not all boys have penises. It wasn't like something we were talking about all the time, but it was if somebody asked about bodies or gender, uh-huh. that was what I would say. And because um, you knew of stories from people, from listeners. Just be, yeah. Just because we had gotten really good listener feedback at certain points where, cause we did a couple shows about gender early on that mm-hmm. were like pretty much based on total BS, just like <laughs> us talking off right. the top of our heads about gender to cisgender heterosexual ladies, you know? Um, and so I'm grateful that I had some of that language to lay the groundwork, but you know, at preschool and elsewhere in the world, that's not the message that many of our kids are receiving. Mm. And so I think Gracie had even sort of forgotten that that information. And there was this one night where, and this was following, you know, just 
on and off her bringing up gender things or requesting things that weren't like typically boy. Um, and we were going this one night to the wedding of a good friend of mine. And it was like her wedding reception. We were all going as a family and we we're getting all dressed up. And as we were getting ready to go, I was wearing a dress and she wanted to wear a dress. And the only dress that she had at that time was like a very casual like play dress from mm. Target that was like a My Little Pony dress that was like kind of, it was just kind of ratty because she'd played in it a lot. It wasn't clean that night and it wasn't really appropriate for the mm. occasion. Like, I really mean it when I say Jesse and I would totally have been fine with her wearing a dress to the if to the wedding if it had been appropriate. Fancy, yeah. yeah, but we didn't have that for her. And she was really upset and she didn't want to get dressed for the wedding and she didn't want to go. And we had to explain a bunch of times, like, why, you know, and then we kind, we kind of, we finally got her on board with going when we, we put her bangs up in a clip. Mm. Like, she still had, like, a typical boy haircut, but we pulled her bangs back into, like, a barrette, and we found a necklace for her to wear. So she was wearing, like, dress-up boy clothes and a barrette and a necklace, and she was happy with that. And so we went. So then, while we were... How did you feel, like... Were you like, what is happening? Like, how did you feel during no. that? Or did you feel like you found a solution? I was like, what is, I was like, hmm. It was, I was still in the hmm phase, uh-huh. but I was happy that she was happy with that. Right. And then I was thinking to myself, should we get a nice <laughs> dress for occasions? Like, I, I don't know. But we were just busy and we were going to the thing. Right. Um, and we went and I was pregnant and we also had my two, like my mm-hmm. other kid was two. I mean, it was just, you know. The way life is crazy. Right. And we got to the wedding and we were at the wedding and we were having a nice time and everybody was being really sweet to her about how she looked. And then she went with me to go use the restroom and we were the only two people in the restroom. And she went to the bathroom and then I went to the bathroom. And while I was going to the bathroom, she said, why do, why do girls have vaginas and boys have penises? And I said, well, not, not all, not all. And she said, I'm a girl with a penis. And I was like, mm. okay. And I, I just got, said, I just got chills. I know. I know me too. I got chills just saying that. Yeah. I said, okay. And in my mind, I was like, holy fucking shit. But then I was like, okay. And then we just moved on with, okay, like, love you, you know? And then we just finished in the bathroom and then we went back to the wedding. And then that was when, like, that night, I kind of like, ordered a couple books online and then I talked to my husband and then we just kind of once we started reading like when we read I am jazz about the transgender girl she was like that's like me I mean it was like mm-hmm. everything happened really fast after that because once right. we were, once we said like this is a way people can be in the world she was like well this is the way I am mm-hmm. and we said great and then it was probably six weeks of feeling like I was like faking it whenever I said she or her Mm -hmm. and called her by the new name until all of a sudden it was not faking it. And now it's like weird to me. Anytime somebody like messes up, Uh I'm like, what? Like, what's your problem? (laughs) You know, like, no, you know, did did she choose the new name? Sort of. She, um, she knew she wanted a new name and she, she said from now on, I want everybody to call me Grease. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) you mean Grace? And she was like, yeah, Grace. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I can work with that. <laughs> Do you feel a little bit like, what if she actually meant Grease though? <laughs> no, no, because I was like, the funny thing is, is that I was still so 
nervous and like not sure if I was doing the right thing mm-hmm. that like I felt like I was like unsure if I should say, well, let's talk. Like, I didn't want to help her choose a name because that felt like encouraging her to be transgender, which is now I know is like such bullshit. And I also know lots of families where when the child is transitioning, the family works together to come up with a name that everybody loves, Mm -hmm. which I think is so cool. Like, it's such a validating thing. Like, of course, let's come up with a new name. But like, the parents should like it too. Like, this is their kid, you know? And thankfully, Grace is a beautiful name. And my husband and I are both like yay grace but i'm glad it was that i'm glad that that worked out the way that it did because yeah i mean that's gonna be her name and we just submitted all the paperwork to have her birth certificate how does that feel for you feels great it's like one thing off the list (laughs) (laughs) do you um or did you miss or grieve uh who she was a lot of people have asked me that, and that is something that a lot of parents do go through. Um, I don't know if it's because I have other kids. Um, I also have other boys. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I did not really grieve. There, there have been upsetting feelings that I've had. Um, usually it's around fear for her future or just guilt that I didn't understand earlier Mm -hmm. or help her with that sooner, which I know a lot of people would laugh at because she's so young relatively compared to a lot of people who come out. But um, I still felt like I should have known, you know, as her mom and we've always been so close and I should have known. Um, But for, for me, when she became like once once she had her name and she was identifying as a girl and we were going through all that, I really just felt good because I felt like she was so happy, you know, like she was so happy and she is so happy that it just felt like I was getting to know her better almost. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't feel like I lost a person. It just felt like I had that person and now I know even more about this person. Right. Like that person was like almost like, oh, yes, lifted. it was like opening that person up, like to see more of that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that has been really rewarding, really cool. Right. Yeah. So um, what ha- – I don't know how much you can speak to this. I'm wondering what happens in situations where the parents are not on board um, so pa- both parents not on board? Yeah. Because like, there's a lot, a lot of what I hear about is one parent being on board and the other one not. Mm. And that causes a lot of problems. Is it, this is a very, is it usually uh, one, one parent, is it usually the dad who's not on board? I don't know if I can say that. Anecdotally, it feels like it's probably yeah. that way, but I think that might just also be that I talk to more moms. Right. That makes sense. Um, more, maybe more moms are more willing to reach out to me if they're uh, if they're a supportive parent mm-hmm. of a trans child. So I think probably my <laughs> pool of research is skewed. Right. Um. I. I mean, I yeah, I can't. I can't speak to like obviously. Sp- I know I know you're probably not asking me to speak to like specific situations where what happens when the parents are not supportive. But I mean, one argument 
for supporting your child if they're expressing that their gender is other than the gender you thought they had at birth is that the mental health outcomes for kids who are not supported um, by their parents and by their families are really quite bad. I mean, they're very, very bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the you know, it's like, I, I don't want to name actual statistics, but there's very high suicide rates. There's very high depression and anxiety, really um, a lot of like suffering in mental health yeah. um, areas. And for kids who have been, there aren't a lot of studies for kids who have been supported from a young age, just because this is like it's a newish, relatively yeah. new thing as far as being more open in the world and more widespread. I think it's been going on. Well, trans people have existed always. And then I think trans people, you know, have been supported by their families quietly mm-hmm. in different places and times for a long time, always. Um, but as far as this being more out in the open in our culture, that's relatively new right now. And there has been one study, at least, that showed that trans kids who are gender nonconforming kids who are supported by their families have comparable mental health outcomes to cisgender kids. So it's almost like there's nothing right there. Right. Um, so Amazing. if you're not sure what you should do, <laughs> yeah, you can think about that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm just thinking, like I'm imagining this is who I am. And if your parents are saying, no, it's not, then that, like, how could that not just result in shame, depression? Yeah. Um, you know, self-annihilation, all the, all that stuff. Yes. Ugh. It's so, um, I'm, I'm like tearing up a little bit. Um, it's just so, it's just so emotional. Yeah, I think it is for people. I think, um, I think especially in our culture, we, we really attach a lot of particular hopes and dreams to gender in a way that can be very emotional. Like, I think, you know, when, before I had kids, I had this idea that I would have a daughter and the things that we would do together and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I found out I was having a boy and I had to adjust to that. And that's going to be different because this or that. And then sure enough, I don't have, a, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's very kind of, you have to kind of, there's a lot of baggage that we don't even understand that we're carrying mm-hmm. around. I mean, like people all the time, say to me out in the world, like the comments about like my people who don't know that I have a trans child, like, oh, you know, you have the, you know, the the big sister and she's she probably like runs the show at home with her two <laughs> little brothers and just like, you know, just very particular things that we attach mm-hmm. with gender that are I'm not like blaming us as a culture because I think it's natural the way that we do it. But I think we do create emotional attachment that is maybe attached to like the wrong thing sometimes right right like um there's this wonderful podcast called how to be a girl that's by marlo mack and she hasn't done a new episode in the in a while but a long time ago she was much more active she has a trans daughter who i think now is in like fifth or sixth grade and she started making the podcast when her daughter was like four and her daughter came out 
when she was three. Um, so a very young wow. transition and the, you know, the parents dealing with that and the parents are divorced and they're both supportive, but, you know, co-parenting and going through this process. And, um, this was before Jazz Jennings and, you know, um, a lot has changed in the last 10 years. But, um, I remember hearing her interviewed on another show where somebody said, like, what, what do you do differently with your, like, what's different about like the stuff that you do with your daughter that like is different from what you imagine doing with your son mm-hmm. at this age? And she was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Isn't that amazing? I would never have thought that, but nothing. Yeah. Like everything it's, this is just my child and we can do all the same, you know, we can do all the mm-hmm. same things. And also so much of who our kids are is not about their gender. Like, you know, my daughter is like really into Minecraft. I don't give a shit about Minecraft, <laughs> but like, cool. Right. You know, like. Right. I think the thing that to me is so moving about it is just the idea of someone being able to say, this is who I am. And that other people are like, yes, and we love you and accept you. Like, yeah. that's the part that's just, oh, oh I think everyone, yeah. oh, everyone yeah. wants that. Oh, everyone does. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's hopefully what I'm going for with the book, which is that. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody's family is not necessarily accepting, but like if this book can be in classrooms and libraries and in some families' homes where people are having these conversations, um, people can see that, you know, this is just about diversity in general. Like all people are different. Everybody has their own sense of their own gender and like nobody has the wrong and gender. how did you get um, paired up with the artist? Um, Noah is somebody that my wonderful editor suggested. And I looked up their work on Instagram and was immediately just like, yes, this is the person. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, and I'm really, really happy. Like, I just, they brought so much to the book. Um, I really, I don't even want to think about the book without <laughs> Noah. <laughs> and what made you realize that you wanted to write it? Um, I wanted to write it because I felt like, especially where we live in Northeast LA, we had a lot of supportive families in our community who wanted to be like having these conversations with their kids and didn't have language around it. Like they wanted to talk about it, but they didn't, they just didn't have a good way to explore it. And I think a lot of people right now are rightfully like a little nervous about maybe saying the wrong thing to their kids. And like, that's, I think coming from such a good place of like wanting to be respectful and woke and everything. Right. But like, I just want to help people have those conversations Mm -hmm. without fear. Cause when you start talking about some of these things about gender identity, you realize how straightforward and simple it is and how we don't need to like make it scary and complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes if we haven't had those conversations or those conversations have not been presented to us in this way, it's hard for us to like wrap our heads around like, how do I say this? How do I do it right? Right. Well, I remember it came up on my show. Someone was like, can I I ask a question? I don't know if it's okay if I ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like, why are cisgender and i think this person actually used cisgender like why why does a cisgender person on twitter list their pronouns uh-huh. you know and so then we had yeah. that conversation the whole yeah. time being like and we hope this is not an offensive conversation yeah but we decided it wasn't yeah <laughs> but, no yeah so, yeah exactly but, but everyone like, is nervous but, yeah. and i think you're right it does come from a good place but yeah. it still reads as like 
you're so uncomfortable with differences. Yes, that's true. That's true. But like, I feel like talking about it, even if you're uncomfortable, it's just like having the sex talk with your kids, mm-hmm. which is a totally different thing, by the way. Lots of people get sex ed mixed up with gender mm. and it's just not not yeah. the same thing. Um, but like, but a similar thing is like having the sex talk with your kids. Like if you sit down and you're like, you know what? This is pretty awkward, but I love you and I want you to have this information. So I'm going right. to say it to you anyway. Like that's so much better than just like not bringing it up. Yes. You know, like it's okay to be awkward. It's okay to say I feel awkward. Right. Right. Um, Teresa. Are you familiar with Best Fiends? No. (laughs) It's so cool. Um, And I just have to acknowledge that I did not even include a segue. And I feel like I could have used one there. So if you felt bumped by the sudden shift in subject, so did we. We're right there with you. (laughs) If you're looking for a fun way to pass the time while engaging your brain and enjoying breathtaking visuals and a gripping story, your answer is Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a super fun uh, it's like the perfect amount of addictive and mindless video game that you play on your phone. Um, I am not a huge gamer and, uh, yet I really enjoy it. It's just, uh, there's just different characters and you match stuff and listen to me talking. You can tell that I, you can tell that I don't quite have the vocabulary to talk about something like this, but you get to know the different characters. There's celebrity voices. Um, it's, it's just very, uh, it's very, very easily playable in the most fun way. I think I'm on like level 30 now, uh, which is most of the characters are bugs and they're super, there's some are cute. The antagonists are slugs. Um, and it's super fun. And Best Fiends update, updates the game monthly with new levels and events. So it never gets old. Uh, over 100 million downloads globally. Tons of characters, and you use them strategically for each level. Does not require internet to play. Great for traveling. Play anywhere. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Five-star rated mobile puzzle game on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Download free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Again, so called Best Fiends, uh, and you will love it. Best fiends, not friends. I have to make it clear because this is Alice from Rosen's new best friend. You might be tempted to try to find best friends. Don't do it. Best fiends. Also, uh, I need to talk to you guys about the real, real. Own iconic luxury items at unreal values with the real, real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers. Shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. New arrivals come in daily, and every single item is authenticated by the real, real's team of experts. Uh, and I have to tell you guys, a lot of hip, fashionable people who have come on my show they're familiar with the real real. I'm always fascinated with like people who are, are are hip and stylish and and yet have their own style. Where do they shop? The real real is one of the places they go. Uh, the real real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, horologists. Those are people who study time. So like people who are like watch experts and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of item e- items each day to ensure that every item is 100% expert authenticated. I personally like going on there and looking at uh, I just find it soothing to look at engagement rings. Maybe I'm planning on marrying someone else. I don't know. But if I do, I know where I'm getting my second engagement ring. And also there's some watches that I have my eye on. Shop in-store online or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. That's therealreal.com, promo code REAL for 20% off select items. Okay. 
have some questions that came in. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. So I have some questions that came in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Laura would like to know, how did she meet Biz? Oh, uh, Biz and her husband, Stefan, were in the sketch comedy scene, uh, I guess about like 10, 15 years ago, around the same time that Jesse, my husband, was also, uh, he also had a sketch group. And so they became friends. Um, and then I, they moved out to Southern California a few years ago and I got to know them through Jesse. Um, and Biz and I sort of just like clicked right away. And then she wanted to make this podcast and, uh, she asked me to make it with her. And how long ago was that? That was like seven years ago. Wow, you guys have been doing it for seven years? Yeah. That's six, awesome. Six and a half, yeah. It's such a good name, too. Who came up with that? That was her name. She already had a shirt because Stefan's a graphic designer. Uh-huh. So they had like already been really into this, and he had designed a shirt for her. And then we made the podcast. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Lots of talk about the OBM, so One Bad Mother Facebook group. Uh, Lisa Folger says... Thank her for coming to Boston for the One Bad Mother live show last weekend. Maybe she can hook you and Greg. So I do a a parenting podcast called Childish with Greg Fitzsimmons. Maybe she can hook you and Greg up at the venue since it's on the BU campus. Greg might like it and you can finally come to Boston. I've never been to Boston. Oh, it's a really cool city. That's what I hear. Yeah. How was your live show? Oh, my God. It was so fun. And that space is really, really nice. It's pretty new. Um, It's WBUR's city space. And it was a sold out show and everything was beautiful. And they made a really nice recording for us. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. People stayed after for a long time and bought copies of my book. (laughs) Do you do a lot of live shows? No, we don't because we both have kids and we don't have like a lot of backup childcare. So when we go to a place, we do like one show in one city and we go and we come back two days later. Right. And that's it. It's like really fast. And we probably get through like maybe two cities a year or something it's like or maybe three yeah we don't tour very much but we love it uh whitney c says what was your childhood home like oh uh which one i lived in many different homes i have no like that's just that maybe that answers the question better (laughs) right which one yeah i mean we had a couple of different like condos that we lived in we had a cottage that we lived in for a while um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. We moved a lot. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad has worked at a hardware store my entire life. My mom is a marriage and family therapist. Oh, how was that having a therapist mom? Great. She's great. That's good. <laughs> yeah, she's great. I, um, my dad, my grandfather was a therapist mm-hmm. and I feel like just fucked up my dad yeah i mean yeah it can go wrong yeah it can definitely go wrong no my mom is really awesome yeah i got lucky right uh and then jennifer okay so some of this we've answered but jennifer simon says and there's a few questions within the question okay she has spoken on some one bad mother 
spoken some on One Bad Mother about her transgender child, and I know she wants to respect Grace's privacy, but I'm wondering how this experience has been for her as a mom. Has it been difficult to navigate helping her daughter through this change? How have her and Jesse gone about getting Grace the support she needs? I think they are amazing parents and would love to learn how to create such an open and loving household. Oh, that's nice. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think... A lot of it, there's, you know, there's support groups locally and there's support groups for parents online. So a lot of it is just getting the information and sharing resources with other parents about what works. Um, it is like there's a lot of unclear things. Like there's a lot of like things like who do you tell? Who do you not tell? When is it important to let like a care? Like, does your babysitter need to know? Does your teacher need mm-hmm. to know? Does like the basketball coach need to know like there's like people where like do they need to know and And a lot of people a lot of people don't need to know is what it turns out to be um but like for example after i leave you here i'm meeting up with jesse and we're having a meeting with her new teacher this year he already knows um that she's trans just because her legal name hasn't changed yet and the school administration knows um but we and he's I can tell he's supportive because he's already said he's supportive but like we just want to touch base like it just feels like even though there hasn't been an issue it's like important to just make sure that the person who's with your kid six and a half hours a day five days a week like understands how we come at things Mm -hmm. and like what some ideas are if if something did go wrong with a peer or something like that Um, do the peers know her Peers in her current class do not know. At her old school, everybody knew because she was there when she transitioned. But that was difficult, too, because I think a lot of people, because they originally met her when she looked like a boy, mm-hmm. they still sort of thought of her as a boy. Um, and so some people would still point out that she had been a boy mm-hmm. or say, but you're really a boy. Mm-hmm. Or they would sometimes mention her old name. And that was hard. At her new school... It's a different kind of hard because you kind of don't know how everyone will or would handle it if they know. But on the other hand, at least they know her as a girl. And so if and when she does decide to let people know, they will at least be coming at that information from a place of uh, the assumption that she's a girl, Mm -hmm. which I think will hopefully be helpful. Um so yeah, there's no like, there's no easy answers. Um, but I think right now, um, her being trans is not the most important thing about her. I wrote this piece for Mother Magazine about it, and I was just like, which magazine? Mother Magazine. Mm-hmm. It's like an online magazine for moms, parents. Um, and I just said like, basically, it's hard to even like, it's my. There's so much about my kid. She's a really interesting, cool kid, and like her being trans is kind of like not the biggest deal to us right now. <laughs> like compared to other things in life and like how hard life is sometimes anyway. Um, I think when she starts going through puberty, things will change. Like I think we have like a road ahead of us mm-hmm. that I can't say how that's going to go. Um, but for right now, she's eight and she's doing eight-year-old things. And that's, you know, and she's just a girl doing eight-year-old things. Is there... Um, I imagine there is advice out there though on these um, like... Um, in the groups and stuff that you're talking about f- that would offer support for how to handle the puberty oh, situation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there's tons of, yeah, there's tons of resources and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And there's doctors who specialize in working with trans kids and we're lucky because we live in LA. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot available. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But I mean, even that, even right. with that, it's going to be, it's going to be what it is. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like kind of, kind of like a lot of other things as a parent, if you haven't gone through it yourself, it's sometimes it feels scary. Like mm-hmm. I know how to be a girl because I am a girl, but I, I am not a transgender girl. So there's things about that experience that I will never be able to impart to my daughter. Right. Which is hard. Like we want to be able to tell them everything about life. Yeah. <laughs> you I know? know. Yeah. So it's learn it's a learning experience for you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. This was great. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's been nice getting to know you. Like I said, I've known of you yeah. for a long time. But yeah. I feel like I know you. Yeah. And you have to come on One Bad Mother. I would love to. Yeah. You need to. I'll, I would love we'll to. We'll set it up. In fact, that's something I wanted to ask you. Now, here's a question from Allison, at okay. Allison Rosen um, asked this. I, um, how, do, how did you feel like you got in front of parents and people who would be interested in your podcast? Because I feel like we both come from the comedy and comedy podcast world, so we're in front of those people, but I don't know how to like say, hey, parents, I think you would enjoy this podcast. Yeah, I think that's been really hard because we agonized over like which classification right. should we be in the podcast directory? Because at first we were like, well, we're not a parenting podcast. Totally. We're just like making jokes and like <laughs> we're not real. Like we don't have expert anything. And yeah. like, but now as time has gone on, we're like, we really are a parenting podcast. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think it's just getting getting just doing out there good. and just yeah. yeah, just reaching out to people. I think like I think when I think when parents start feeling like shit hitting the fan, they go looking for resources. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And hopefully ours pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so everyone go out and get It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity by Teresa Thorne. I will include a link in the description on alisonrosen.com. Um, and tell everyone where else they can find you and plug your stuff. Yeah. And I just, thank you. And I just want to say all of my proceeds from this book are going to support Gender Spectrum, oh, which great. is this awesome nonprofit that m- works to create more inclusive spaces for gender diverse youth. And they're such an amazing organization. I just want people to know that that's where the money for this book is going. Um, and so I'm really happy to be like getting the word out there about this book. Um, people can also check out onebadmotherpodcast.com. You can also find us through maximumfund.org. We're in the Max Fund store on the um, Apple podcast, or, you know, wherever you get your yeah. podcasts. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Teresa Thorne. And on Instagram, we are at onebadmothers with an S. Love it. End. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you're hearing, download, subscribe, tell a friend, leave a comment five stars, et cetera, all that. Thank you again uh, for being on the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.